0: Hey, you bunch of jackasses. Welcome to White Heat Edition 31, presented by Godzilla Media, sponsored by our good friends over at Mohawk Conda and Johnstone Supply. Whew. This, uh, this episode's a little late, just because, uh, you know, <laughs> had stuff come up last second that involved me... Uh, Announcing a, a basketball event that was a dozen games deep between Monday and Tuesday. So here we are on Wednesday, December 29th, 2021, closing out 2021 for this show. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, special scheduling announcement coming up at the end of the show regarding our next episode. I'm not even sure JJ's aware about um, I am not. <laughs> uh, so, uh, tease, um, the delay between this show and the next show is going to be longer than the one between last show and this show. Uh oh, um, it's 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 a one week thing. Relax, it's not a big deal. Um, but it's it's. I it's mean, it's fine. If
1: you want if you want, we could always do a live after recap of, of day one.
0: <laughs> oh Christ Almighty! I, I, I... <sighs> <laughs> we'll we'll get to day one, but. <laughs> uh, before we get before we get into the deep end on wrestling stuff um, as per usual JJ how uh, how's your last week plus been good lord yeah I, I, that's a good summation for me too I like that okay
1: I mean Christmas <laughs> was pretty mundane but dude everything has hit the fan in my town like In my town at the wife's work, everything like the wife works for a multinational company and she's a chemist. She's in a laboratory at a site where there's production floor and a warehouse and there's another warehouse down the street and she's, she, she runs the lab that helps test the stuff that goes out to the people. And between yesterday and today, right now, there is one person in both warehouses, total one person, no one in one and one in the other. Zero cure quality assurance people, so they can't transfer stuff from production up to the lab, <laughs> and everything's a mess. Meanwhile, like my town made the news yesterday. My town made the news yesterday. Let me uh, as let, let in let national news? news, um, yeah, I think so. Uh, but uh, here, uh, check your DMs, there's a screen grab of the, the uh, the uh, headline.
0: Oh boy! Oh, let me pull this up. Hang on. So I am I am pulling this up. By the way, out of curiosity, what are you sipping on out of, out of a coffee cup today? Coffee. Okay, just just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Yep. So so okay. All right. So, okay. All right. It's actually interesting because that kind of leads into the topic I want to lead off with today. Um, All right. So, we've gone from people being basically initiating their own form of protest by not getting the vaccine for COVID 19 to now Mm -hmm. people want to be tested for the disease so badly that they're making violent threats about not being tested when they want to be tested. Yep. Talk about going from one extreme to the other. Wow.
1: Well, plus it besides that, there's still all the people who are saying it's just a cold. There's people saying that the home test kits are are, are propaganda this our state state of Connecticut. 2 months ago in October, we were hovering around 2% Infection rate for the state. Yesterday, 15%. Oh, my God. Because what happened in November? All the municipal elections got taken over by people who have zero government experience, who ran on the format of unmask our kids, and we don't want the vaccine. And they all got in office, and this is what we get. I don't mean to be political, but (sighs) that's what happened. And now we're going backwards.
0: A and B equals C, so... Yeah, that's...
1: I am so happy that I have a home-based business, so, like, I don't have to leave.
0: Mm. (sighs) Which which actually leads me into, like, obviously the grander spectrum. Um, Because... All right, so WWE usually, Mm. typically... They do a special like day after Christmas show at MSG. Right. This year they decided to pair that with another show, and I be- don't quote me. I believe it was Tampa that night. Oh, did they? I believe. That's what I heard. I, be- I from what I understand, they were running two shows same day. One was Tampa. One was um, MSG. MSG. And then they ran a show. They ran a house show also the same night as RAW, and they ran DC last night. I want to say it was—I want to say that the 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 loop was Tampa. Don't quote me. I want to say it was Tampa, Orlando, DC. I again, don't quote me, but I believe that was the loop. Um, And then you had MSG, and then RAW. Which honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head where RAW was on Monday.
1: Um, It was uh, Michigan, uh, Detroit.
0: Oh, Detroit. That's right. Detroit. Yeah. So. But anyways, that's that's going deeper into the point being. So they have their cards set in advance for their house shows, obviously. Well in advance, typically. Um, Subject to change. Right. Um, The only time it's not well in advance to the talents is if it's literally like a brand new loop and. Whatever. Um, not loop, but like a brand new set of dates and that they have. Whatever. You get the point. So, day after Christmas, they have these two shows, and apparently there had to be some juggling done where Seth Rollins gets pulled from one show. Um, they also juggled around um, a woman's match involved in one of the shows. They eventually end up putting Ciampa and Dunn on, I believe, the MSG show, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, they had Edge and KO in a steel cage match, I believe, at the that MSG the main, show as well. That was well, the main event, yeah. Which, I would assume that was originally going to be Edge and Seth because, it like, there's nothing, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think it nothing, would have
1: been. I think it would have been KO and
0: Big E. Oh, yeah, because yeah, they had they were doing the, the mixing around. Yeah, it involved Biggie. Yeah. So, so now the big thing is like what was why Seth got pulled. And Seth has come out since and claimed that he tested positive for COVID.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So then, and this is what kind of like this is where we're going to dip our toe into this Saturday and then we'll come back around to it later. So now, rumor and conjecture, one would assume, would be Seth gets pulled from day one. Because, but then- but, you, but at the same time, we don't know exactly when Seth would have tested positive, and we're not at least I don't think he said anything about this uh, about his vaccination status, whether he's vaccinated is, or not?
1: He is vaccinated and the, the, the CDC just came out and said that people who contract it can possibly, like, get back to normal within five days. And correct. I think that's what Vince is, is betting on right now.
0: Right. So, assuming the timetable is correct, um, and again, I didn't see what Seth said, but let's just go with the generic timetable as an example. Let's say he finds out he's COVID-positive Christmas Eve That means five days would be, depending on what, um, how Seth feels would be today when we're recording, the 29th, or tomorrow, the 30th, -hmm. which obviously would give him a nice two-day buffer, worst-case scenario, leading up to the card in Atlanta. Um, But let's say worst-case scenario, Christmas Day, because one would assume he – like he didn't just call the office day of and go. Oh, by the way, because well, it would have been even harder to juggle pieces around at that point.
1: I'm think I, I was I was thinking that because they test everyone at the event that he tested positive
0: on Sunday at MSG. Also, he might have gone was, to the venue and tested positive because then. that's
1: when they sent everyone home. Was after Seth okay. tested positive. That's when they sent E home and they sent Becky home and stuff as a precaution.
0: Right. All right, so let's assume Sunday then. So the five-day buffer will be Friday. Right. Which, which then gives you only a roughly 24-hour buffer mm-hmm. if he can't test, if he can't be cleared Friday. Yep. So um, now since then, at least from everything I've been reading, there's no reports of anything else coming up positive. There's no reports of Becky coming out positive or Big E. So the matches in general, the card structure is still on. We
1: it's hope. just really a
0: matter of whether or not the WWE title match remains a fatal four-way. But any hooser. So that's the long-form story of me getting into what <sighs> the question I need to discuss. Gesundheit. Um, with the COVID situation developing over recent weeks like it has, on a national and international level, on a percentage basis, you being a booker, you being the creative mind behind a company, scale of 1% to 100%, how feasible could it be we see a Thunderdome 2.0 within the next 90 days?
1: I would say you're looking at 85 to 90% on that. I'm I honestly see I, I cuz I'm almost positive that Vince already had it in his mind that after Summer uh, what do you call it? after SummerSlam he was going to mm-hmm. reimplement the ThunderDome and just have the big pay-per-views be people. So I would not be surprised if if as quick as next week we go back to the ThunderDome, they have people live for for Rumble and then, depending on the situation nationwide, we go back to Thunderdome status from day after Rumble until week of Mania.
0: And to be quite frank, um, as somebody who had a, a false COVID scare at one point, not too long ago, yeah. and has had a number of family members uh, Suffer from COVID and go through the hardships of you know the the, uh, the conditions that it falls uh, under tribulations. With. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would not be opposed to that idea. For not just for the sake of the men and women who are traveling, um, whether it be the talent producers um, the people doing all the tech the tech work and brings it up and all that jazz but then you also have to you have to amplify that into the fan bases and the right. general public as well um, even something as simple as the people you would come across with at the airports um, yeah. people you come across with when you're working out at gyms like It comes to a point where you don't necessarily have to bubble to the point of like what the NBA did at one point and basically put like take a hotel, put everyone in a hotel, and they literally go from the hotel to like you don't necessarily have to do that.
1: That's what our waitress doing for their TV tapings,
0: right? But you can at least get to a point where you shrink the bubble enough where the risk is dropped enough to your own comfort level as a business. Right. So the concept of doing, of going back to uh, the Thunderdome, I would not be opposed to it. And honestly, from an entertainment perspective, there wasn't really a whole lot of I mean, obviously, it was kind of hokey getting fake fan reactions blasting all right. the speakers from time to time. But if you yeah. factor that out of the equation, the actual entertainment value, there wasn't really that kind of drop-off that was terribly noticeable right. at any point. Because um, in my mind, it allowed talent to experiment a little more, particularly when it came to promo. Yeah. And it showed a lot. It showed, it allowed some people to shine and show a little more than they probably would have been had they been in live crowds at that point in time. So I feel like, if anything, this could be actually a good thing for the in ring product, potentially. Yeah. And it allows you to make a better judge of maybe certain people they're on the fringe about right now because you'll have. lot more personal one-on-one time with them potentially because you won't have to deal with crowds and all that jazz. Right.
1: The only the only setback that I ever really had to the Thunderdome was the piped in crowd noise because Vince could literally control the narrative of the audience. So if there was a guy that he wanted to push, he could make it so, oh, the crowd popped and the crowd didn't care. Like, that's the only thing I didn't
0: care. I didn't care for. Um, and now here's the other end of it, too. Because um, Ring of Honor, we don't need to discuss at this point in time because a lot can change between now and April. So we don't need to discuss Ring of Honor right now. Mm-hmm. Impact.
1: They tape a month worth of TV at a time.
0: Right. So there's not a whole and plus they're not going into huge arenas they're doing stuff in front of 100 to 200 people right so the risk factors are dramatically diminished with their business profile essentially yep mlw is a curious case because they tour but they're not like doing Multiple days a week at a time. They're doing a day, a month, maybe two days a month tops.
1: Right, and then putting everything in the can.
0: Right. So they're they're kind of mm-hmm. like they're a traveling impact with better talent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So I'd say out of out of the remaining cases, as far as wrestling companies on a regional or national scale. MLW is the curious case because you 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 can kind of fringe with that, Um, and then the last thing being, now New Japan Strong. There's nothing really wrong with that because they stay within the confines of one section of California and don't really traverse out of that much.
1: Right. If they do, they do like a one shot in Philly or whatever. But yeah, they pretty much stay where they are.
0: Right. So they'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But New Japan, in, I mean, it's obviously going to depend on the numbers in Japan, but, I mean, you also have the concern of they've had some talents for this Wrestle Kingdom card. Now, obviously, no news has come out, so one would assume they're staying in Japan right now and not in the U.S. for the next few days. But you've had guys that are on this Wrestle Kingdom card coming up next week that were in the U.S. for extended periods of time not too long ago. Right. So, I don't know. Like, obviously, no news is good news, so one would assume everything is copacetic, but you just have to worry potentially down the road, maybe. Exactly. Um, But we'll cross that bridge when we cross that bridge. Um, That all being said... I know this is something you've mentioned once or twice over the last month or so. I'm not even going to bring up a header on our visual side of the podcast <laughs> for this because it's really the only question I have regarding Wrestle Kingdom at this point for next week. Um, even though I did pull up both cards, the cards are basically unchanged from how we went over them last week. Yeah. Literally, they are unchanged. The only real difference, honestly, is the U.S. title match with Kenta... Uh, is a no DQ match now, which I thought, I thought that was going to be originally, but I guess not. Um, Mm. that's really the only thing. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Cause I'm pretty sure the Naito Jeff Cobb match had already been announced too. So nothing has changed about this wrestle kingdom card at all. That's happening next week. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's actually two questions I want to go to because since we're not going to have a show next week, two questions. One, is this, even though we're closer now to the show, is this show still very unappealing to you?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's easy answer. I have Yeah. Two, is there any potential, any wiggle room? For a surprise at any point during these those two days
1: with the current situation at hand with COVID and all that I really don't think so like the only surprise that I could think of is what we already covered with Shibata which would will probably be Jay White or Minoru Suzuki um, besides that
0: uh. and I'm leaning more and more towards Minoru Suzuki because they keep stressing how it's a catch rules match
1: oh it's yeah that's of- yeah that's it's
0: gonna be that, that that's what makes me think more and more it's gonna be him because they're not gonna throw Z they're not gonna throw Saber out there again. They're right. they're gonna want to put a fresh face out there if they're really gonna make it this big of a surprise. So one would assume it's Minoru since I don't think he's been booked anywhere else for weeks. Nope. And he's not on either night of the card right now. Right. So that'll be my o- assumption.
1: The only other thing I have with that is I and I hate when it happens because like Wrestle Kingdom is like their WrestleMania or their Slammiversary or their all out, you know, the big, the, the, the figurehead Mm -hmm. event of the year. I hate having mystery you know, person versus mystery person on the card for that show. I just, I've never liked it. I've never liked having person versus mystery person or person having their very first match at that show. I don't get it.
0: Well we have two of those kind of matches, kind of, sort of. Because you have the Shibata match. Yeah. And then um, they still haven't announced the four people in whatever KOPW match they're doing on night two. <laughs> I, I I, don't know. I, they still haven't announced who those are going to be yet. I, uh, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, That all being said, I'm going to be brutally honest about one thing regarding Wrestle Kingdom. The only thing that I think I would be truly shocked about at this rate specifically about the title situations. There's two things I'd be shocked by actually.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. One, I'll be stunned if El Fantasmo retains the junior heavyweight title. Yeah stunned. That's one. Um, And I think we've both pretty much written off that happening at this point. The second Mm -hmm. thing that would shock the hell out of me, and I don't know how you feel about this, I'd be stunned if anyone other than Okada makes it through the two nights of Wrestle Kingdom and comes out the other side as the champ.
1: Agreed. Like, the
0: the I I think I think they're done with the Takagi experiment and there's no way they're going to put Osprey over Okada.
1: I mean, I mean, you would think, but who the fuck knows now? You know, with with how they book shit. But I mean, um, I think, yeah, I think they're they're ready to take the title off Tagaki. I think that they know that they've built a main eventer in him, and they can plug him back into t- the title picture anywhere, like like they do with Naito and Okada and uh, Tanahashi. They know they can plug him in at any time at this point. He, they've established him as being that caliber. Um, the only way I would see Okada not coming out of there with everything is if Okada's about to say goodbye to Japan, which I would love, but I don't see it happening because I cross my fingers every year that Okada's not NWJP champion, (laughs) and that he's not new Japan champion for the fucking Rainmaker music to hit at the Rumble. But I don't see that happening.
0: (laughs) That, oh, man. That would take... Oh, man. See, it's just a bit odd because we didn't have this show. And honestly, I wasn't too deep into behind the scenes with New Japan enough to recognize the significance of... Shinsuke walking away. Yeah. So I don't have any anything to fall back on with this thought I'm about to put out there. I can't imagine the kind of negotiations it would involve to convince Okada to for lack of a better phrase, leave his bread and butter and come, and not just leave his bread and butter, but Come to and make a permanent home location. Right. In a totally different country and try to basically try to follow in Shinsuke's footsteps because. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the only thing I think I'd be a little hung up on is that I feel like Shinsuke has a little more... and I don't mean to put down Okada, but when you compare the two, I feel like there's a little more... I guess creativity is really the only word I can think of. There's a little yeah. more freedom within the personality and character that Shinsuke presents yeah. than Okada has. I not to say Okada can't be funny, but I just think there's... I think there's slightly more limitation to the presentation of Okada than there is to the presentation of Nakamura.
1: There is, but the same, it's like because Okada, Okada is he's about the fanfare. And it's just a matter of, you know, it's because he's so de- decorated in Japan that he's one of the guys that like your casual WWE fan will have heard of. You know, like, it was the same way with fucking AJ, the year that he debuted at the Rumble. Because, like, you know, as far as came from Japan at that time, and mm-hmm. the fans knew who he was because of Japan and because of TNA, even though there was a, you know, it was, it was it was a small amount of people. But they knew who he was, and he got to go straight to the main roster. He didn't have to go through the NXT system. Right. I, uh, You know, like like uh, Nakamura went through the NXT system just because they, they wanted eyes on the product at the time. Cause he, he really hasn't changed his style much. Um, And. Okada, I could see very much just go, transferring to the main roster like that without, without having to go through. Plus with all the fucking green fucking shit that's going on in NXT, he, he would be, he would just embarrass everyone. Like, You get like a good match out of Chiampa. You get a good match out of Dunn and then be like, what the fuck am I going to do with you? I'm going to carry Grayson Waller. Fuck you. You're going to put me with Tony D'Angelo. Suck a dick. You know? So like, like I, like I said, I don't see it happening with Okada this year. I would love it, but I don't think it's happening. Jay White, however, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be happy. (laughs)
0: He has been a quiet little mouse the last few weeks, hasn't he? Yep. And he's not on the card either. Yeah.
1: This is the first time in like five years Jay White ain't been on the Wrestle Kingdom card. And I feel like and he's no not way. injured.
0: And I, the, the 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 crazy thing is that I don't think anybody's talking about it. Exactly. Like none of the news sites are even bothering to recognize it. They're all just right. kind of like. It, it they is all, what it is.
1: They all left it alone after that one interview that he did a few weeks back where they were like, blah, blah, what about ABW? And he was just like, I'll never go to AEW. He was like, I did this thing with Impact. He's like, AEW, I have no interest in. And then they asked, what about WWE? He was like, I'd like to work with WWE someday. And they left it
0: at that. Because nobody knows how to do their job. That's why. Anyways, um... Fucking journalists. So there isn't a whole lot for me to cover with these assholes, because because and saying that leads to my what the fuck about Impact? You have a big show coming up. Well. <laughs> I mean, fuck me sideways. That had to happen. Sorry. (laughs) You have a premiere show coming up on Saturday, January 8th. But you decide, in all of your glory and genius methods, to make two of your last three episodes of TV leading up to that show because you really needed two shows to devote to this topic, you decided to make two of them quote-unquote best of 2021 shows. There's a lot of jokes that can be made.
1: Well, I mean, because they're they're doing the same thing that the other companies have done because like, cause they air on Thursday. And the thing is like the, the week between Christmas and new year's is always a dead week. And it's like, you can't really like, you know, it's, you know, like impact Arizona Thursday, new year's is on a Friday. Like, um, they, they basically just taped enough to get through before Christmas. And they were like, well, we can't tape for you. So they're, cause they're doing the best of AW's is doing the best of WWE's doing a best of on Friday night for SmackDown. like, It's just, it's part of the course with this week of the calendar year. They just really haven't figured out, like, the fact that they've got something coming up and they really should be, you know, working on it.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) Which. Yeah. Since they since that show <laughs> is before we return for our next episode of White Heat. I'm going to run through this card quick. Stop me if you actually hear anything that interests you.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Which means I'm probably going to run through the whole thing without you stopping me. But hell, I'll run through it. <laughs> X division title Trey Miguel defends against Steve Macklin. Uh, why? Jonathan Gresham defends the ROH hold on correction Jonathan Gresham successfully defends the ROH world title against Chris Saban why do I say that? because motherfuckers already announced he's defending it eight days later at Terminus when they debut against Josh Alexander motherfuckers oh damn dumb I didn't realize that was on the dumb show. shit oh <sighs> I don't think I need to say anything else about that. Um, Iconics versus Emma and Madison Rain. I mean, excuse me. The Inspiration defending the Knockouts World Tag Team Championship against Tennille Dashwood and Madison Rain. My apologies. Um, Because that match is going to make me stop and sit on the couch. Uh, a 10-way hardcore war. The Good Brothers, who are not defending their tag team titles, because fuck it. The Good Brothers teaming with Violent by Design against Heath, Rhino, Eddie Edwards, Willie Mack, and Rich Swan. Because, fuck it.
1: That is just a whole bunch of, we don't want to put separate matches together.
0: Essentially. Even though you have eight matches right now on the card, and I'm sure you're going to throw away two of them on the pre-show like a bunch of jackasses. Um yep. The first-ever Knockouts Ultimate X, Tasha Steeles, Lady Frost, Rachel Ellering, Chelsea Green, Rosemary, and the digital champion Jordan Grace.
1: Jordan and Rachel are going to have to carry that fucking match.
0: You think? Uh, Josh Alexander against Jonah, Blew. a.k.a. Bronson Reed. A.k.a. Um, not Jeff Cobb. <laughs> right. Um... Mickey James, Deanna Perazzo, knockouts, world title in a Texas deathmatch. Again. Not sure about Texas deathmatch, but okay. Uh, and They've then got two hardcore matches on the show. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously the triple threat for the Impact World title Moose, Cardona, and Morrissey,
1: which is no DQ. So you've got three no DQ matches on the same show.
0: One, two, hold on. Well, knockouts. Ultimate X is technically a no DQ, isn't it? Yeah, that too. So you got four. Four of your last five matches on the card are going to be no DQ. That's that. That's lazy booking. That's fucking spectacular. (laughs) Although I can't say technically they're the last five matches on the card because they, I just because they're listed this way on the website doesn't necessarily mean that's the order they're going to be in when they come to show night. Right. But they're
1: probably going to open with the Ultimate X-Match just because of the setup.
0: I would tend to agree. Yes. But fuck Impact. Meanwhile, speaking of fuck. I've got my notes. All right. I'm, uh, I'm I'm going to start off because your your notes are your notes of uh, your notes are interesting. <laughs> um, <sighs> number one. Actually, you know what I only have one note, and I think it's the only one note I really need to bring up. We don't need Cody Rhodes with a belt.
1: <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh,
0: we don't need. Hold on. Restructure. We don't want Cody Rhodes <laughs> with a title. You basically took all the good or as much good as you could possibly could have done with building a future star potentially within your company and Sammy Guevara, put him down on the mat, let Cody drop trowel and shit on his chest. <laughs> I know that sounds like some kinky shit you probably would find on Pornhub, but it's not meant to be that. (laughs) But that's essentially the visual you're giving the fans that want to like you, want to like your company, and now you're just saying, fuck you! (laughs) Like, how fucking brain dead? You know, Bill Cosby had a wonderful skit. He had a wonderful skit that he did when he was putting put pills stand-up. into people, <laughs> way before he was putting date rape drugs in people's brains. Ah, uh, you don't know that. He had a wonderful skit in his stand-up where he would talk about his children, and the the don't prevailing listen. topic, the prevailing topic he would bring up, or the prevailing line he would use while doing that skit in his stand-up was. Brain damage. Damage. Yep. They have
1: the brain damage.
0: AEW is brain damage. (laughs) Like, fuck me. Fuck you. Fuck everyone. Fuck everything the business is good about. Like, fuck all. I, I.
1: I can tell you the exact reason they did it.
0: I see little shit on Twitter like this, and I just it makes me want to like, I DVR Dynamite and Rampage for shits and giggles and barely ever end up watching it at this point. Now I'm just at the point where I might just delete the whole uh, concept of even recording the fucking shows anymore. And just have me rant about them. <laughs> and me just see random shit on Twitter be like, oh, that's fucking stupid. Let me mention that. Go ahead. Tell me why they did it.
1: Media aesthetics. This is what's going on. One. AEW is transferring to TBS as of the new year. So. They need to have a reason to let people know that they're still part Of the Turner media system. The new series of go big show is about to begin. Cody's a host on that media aesthetics of having the guy who is appearing for your company on TNT, having the TNT title. So that there is that it's, it's a marketing ploy. That's all it is. It's literally, it's a test audience marketing fucking bullshit strategy where people will relate. Cody on TNT, Cody TNT title because advertising people don't know wrestling. The whole, the, this goes on, this goes a whole fucking thing with AEW saying we're not sports entertainment and it's complete bullshit because they are literally being run by advertising revenue and focus groups now.
0: That's why everything Cody you, got the belt. Everything you just said, I have a very simple mm-hmm. response for that. Okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. Ah! <laughs> 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 yes ladies and gentlemen I have a real trash can in this in this office no it wasn't meant to be a prop at any point during these podcasts and it just became a prop so fuck off <laughs> but I mean uh, pain that's all I've got pain <laughs> without love pain no we're not gonna no, I don't feel like getting into three days grace but uh just like <laughs> <sighs> <clears throat> you wanna know the best part about that by the way what the crowd was majority booing I fucking love that
1: well yeah because and that, that's the thing is now Cody the uh, so really one thing I liked in, about it now, now, Cody's really going to drill in the whole "I'm just like John Cena" bullshit.
0: No, no, you're
1: play. not. No, he's he's like like that thing I sent you the other day, where he is the culmination of the fucking bleaching and bleeding of Flair, the nepotism of Jarrett, the fucking go away heat of fucking, like that's what he is. Like he, he just bleaching and bleeding. Yeah, but it like he, he Cody thinks that he's Hulk Hogan, and he's not. Like he thinks he's God's gift to the fucking wrestling industry because he 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 built a company out of nothing, which he didn't. He built Ring of Honor out of getting them to run a fucking pay-per-view on their fucking backs and then sold he the fucking company tape out to a fucking money market. market. Yeah. Exactly. Like you literally okay, I understand being a being a worker means being able to work people. The only people that Cody has worked out of this was Cary Silkin and Tony Khan. He worked them out of money. That's all he did. Just because you're able to work two people doesn't mean you are the ultimate worker. It means you got fucking lucky. Because God knows how many other people he fucking went to after fucking all in trying to get money to start AEW. Like, that's the Uh, thing you don't hear about. Like, everyone just, like, automatically assumes, oh, Tony Khan was already there, and Tony Khan was going to... No, I fucking guarantee you that he was, like, fucking Colonel Sanders trying to fucking get his first fucking chicken joint off the ground and fucking went to every fucking person with money that he could think of.
0: That... That was a hell of an analogy you just pulled off. I like that. And the only reason I say that is because I know the Colonel Sanders story. I'm proud of you. That's well done.
1: Listen to a lot of Tony Robbins when I was first getting in the business. Uh, well, okay.
0: yeah, that, was, uh, that was the boss's thing. Tony Robbins. Yeah. Tony Robbins. Okay. I'm assuming yeah. you have I'm more close. notes to so go ahead.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So let's see. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, of course, you know, we start off the show and we only get 10 minutes in before the Bucks have to make it all about them. Uh, let's see here. I can't wait to hear Cornette have to review Adam Cole versus pockets.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Here, here's here's. One. I wonder if 18 years ago, PD Williams ever thought in a decade, this move I invented will be used as a transitional maneuver or a false finish in 75% of spot monkey shows across North America.
0: Fucking ridiculous, man.
1: Dude, fucking, I remember the first time I ever saw Petey Williams do the Canadian Destroyer, I was fucking like, my jaw dropped. Like, granted, like, a couple of months later, like, sitting there with, you know, my trainers and them being like, it's not a believable move. I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not believable. Like, you can't do that in a fight. It's not believable, but it looks fucking great. And Petey did it amazingly, but then, Everyone started fucking doing it. Like it's it has no meaning anymore. That movie used to it was fucking that was like that 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 should not be in everyone's fucking repertoire. Like that's, that's why I got pissed when fucking bad bunny did it at fucking mania. I'm like, really?
0: You know what what's actually kind of funny that you mentioned that is because oh, who the fuck was it? I remember seeing I've been watching, uh, I don't know why, but like the last month and a half, I've been on a weird Survivor Series run on the network. I know this is kind of going Uh semi-off topic, but it has to do with what you're saying. It has to do with what you're saying a little bit. And I can't remember for the life of me who it was. But because I was watching all the stuff from the beginning, so Survivor Series was what? 87?
1: 87 88? 88, I believe.
0: Yeah. So, because I started there and was working my way forward, I got to—I want to say—oh six, oh five, yep. and somebody again for life. Of Me, I can't remember who the fuck it was. They did a code red, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, what? Whoa, what the fuck? Like, even just Ray a was code doing it for red, a while.
1: Molina was doing it. Yeah,
0: yeah." You know what? That might have been who it was. It might have been Melina. Yeah, because Melina, it. Melina, because really it wasn't cool Ray. She, I would remember if it was Ray because, like, a light heavyweight doing it would have made sense. But it was somebody that didn't make a lot of sense with. I think Melina so was that, actually what I'm thinking of.
1: So there's two people that were using it at that time. Melina, who it was really cool because she would like hook her legs around the person's arms and do the ah with her hands and then do
0: the flip. Yes, yes, yeah.
1: She was doing it, and Trevor Murdoch was doing it. Oh! It was no. the Ace of that's what it was.
0: Yes, yep. that's who it was. It was Trevor Murdoch because yeah. it was a tag match. Yes. Because that's mm-hmm. the move. Um actually now I remember the match. Murdoch and Kane were defending the tag titles. I think it was actually oh eight now. Yeah. Murdoch and Kane were defending the tag titles against Cody Rhodes and Hardcore Holly. Oh yeah. Yep. And the and the and Murdoch hit that on, I believe, it was Cody. He hit that on yeah. Cody to get the pinfall win. That's what it was because I remember looking up, looking up. Because uh, first off, uh, I was having a brain fart and was trying to remember if Trevor Murdoch was actually a Murdoch. That was nope. stupid.
1: He just yeah, looked like I, him.
0: Yeah, and then uh, again, I was having a brain fart at that moment. And then literally, as I as I figured that out on my phone, I looked up and motherfucker was sent the code. I'm like, no, no, there's no it's fucking the way. And then he fucking hits it. I'm like, and it's for the pit. I'm like. Ah! Yeah, I... Wow, yeah. Trevor Murdoch, that's exactly who it was. Alright, thank you. Yep.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that it blew that, my that, fucking mind. Right. Just like the first time you ever saw two Cold Scorpio do the 450. Or oh saw Jody Flight do the 630. Like, now, it doesn't matter. Like, the first... I was never impressed with Billy Kidman shooting Star Press, but when Mark Marrow did it, yeah. Because he was a heavier guy and the height that he got on it.
0: Like, yeah, because yeah. Mark was you Mark was usually walking around at what 245? Something like that, yeah. Mark I'll tell just, you, he
1: he he looked like a WWE guy. <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll tell you the first and this is fucking going back. It's gonna sound stupid simple, but mm-hmm. when you think of the combination of things that could when you think about what could go wrong potentially and the effect it takes on you to hit that move night after night after night after night. Mm-hmm. The first move that I ever saw that I was like, fuck. And like everything computed in my head. Mm-hmm. Bobby Eaton's Alabama Jam. Uh huh. Because A, you're landing on your fucking tailbone from the top yep. rope over and over uh-huh. and over again hitting that. And then the second yep. thing, like an inch the wrong way, you could crush somebody's larynx, you could break somebody's fucking face with your leg, like you gotta be stupid precise with that shit off the top, bro
1: Bobby Ocean learned that the hard way back when Bobby Ocean was first getting into his own, like before he was actually named Bobby Ocean he was doing the Alabama Jam as a finish, we called it the Chocolate Thunder and uh, there <laughs> was one, what do you call it there was one night he hit it where he landed right on right on the dude's head and fucking busted his nose And we were like, "Time to find a different finisher."
0: Yeah, yeah. Like you got to have a stupid amount of precision, right? And so much repetition doing it to understand the way to hit that right. Exactly. Yeah, but that was that was yeah.
1: Yeah. So getting back to fucking stupid ass AEW. Oh yeah. So look who look Kyle O'Reilly showed up. Yeah. Yay. And fucking and so we have the standoff between whatever they're going to be called, they're probably going to be called the Undisputed Elite is my guess, and the Bucks, and there's going to be like Red Dragon versus the Bucks for fucking custody of Adam Cole, but we're not sports entertainment. For custody of Adam Cole? That's what it's going to be because that's going to be because then it's like, oh, no, you know, what are we going to do? It's like, oh, it's going to be the fucking it's going to be the is it going to be is he going to side with the super click or is he going to side with the undisputed and fucking. Yeah, they're going to be called either the undisputed or the undisputed elite. I guarantee it because God forbid they think of anything new. and Side note, side fucking note, I want to go back. To the entire first year, the AEW dynamite was on the air. Third the year, quote unquote, the quote unquote Wednesday night war. Okay. Where every fucking AEW fucking zombie sat there talking about how NXT will never make it, yada, yada. NXT will never beat them, how NXT is an inferior product. And what was the main event picture of that of NXT that whole year? Cole, Fish, O'Reilly, right. But now that they're in AEW, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever! Oh my god, the undisputed era is here. You all were talking shit about these guys, and. You're you're going to talk about how they weren't given creative freedom in NXT, but now in AEW, they are. And watch how they were the main event of NXT for God knows how fucking long. I mean, I I I never cared for anyone in the UE, but I was fucking sick of them getting shoved down our throats for four fucking years. And now they're going to be the fucking enhancement talent in the opening match or on fucking dark. Watch. Mark my words. They're going to have the one big, you know, the one big match. And then Red Dragon is going to get relegated to working fucking to working against the fucking Varsity Blondes. And fucking Cole is probably going to go back to the fucking elite because he has to glom on to his fucking best buddies in order to fucking garner any fucking attention.
0: You're talking about lack of creativity. I might have something in addition to that. Go right ahead. And this actually revolves around a a topic we were shitting on last week. Mm -hmm. So we were talking last week about the uh, Owen Hart tournaments. Right. Since then, a theory has come out based on something Tony Khan said in an interview. Okay. Um... I don't honestly, I don't know if it was something Tony Khan was serious about or was just being like fantasy booker for a moment when he said this.
1: Well, I mean, everything he does do you, is fantasy booking.
0: Who do you think he mentioned for winning the men's tournament? Now, I, need no, I, like no. <laughs> I need you to think about this for a moment. No, I need you to think. You actually have to do some deep thinking about it because it's not like it's not the most obvious choice by name, but when you think about the connection to the Hart family, it makes fucking sense, and it's the, it's really the most obvious choice within AEW. Pillman Junior. Yep.
1: so they're going to do another stop-start with Pillman Jr. Where they're like, oh, we're going to... Y- and we're going to put him back down in tag matches that no one watches. Yep. Fucking AEW. All right, so let's see. Yep, AEW proving once again they can't get their own talents over, so they have to just swipe WWE guys and storylines associated with them. Oh, yeah. So then we get to the fucking build for fucking... Because we have Hangman Page come out. And then we have fucking Danielson come out. And we find out that Danielson's getting a rematch. Why? I thought AEW didn't do automatic rematches. Especially when the, it, it, what, the title didn't change. So why is there a rematch happening? Just because there was a draw? Like... That goes against their entire logic that they put out. They are fucking themselves. They are retconning themselves. And then, so we get it. So there's going to be fucking... So we're going to get Danielson versus Page. It's not going to happen at Battle for the Belts. It's going to happen on Dynamite on fucking January fucking 4th. Or 5th, whatever. And it's going to be a
0: match with Judges. Yeah, January 5th. Yeah.
1: It's going to be a match with judges, so if it goes to a time limit draw, the judges can decide.
0: Oh, so we're going to totally rip off Flair Steamboat again. Yep. Although Flair Steamboat never went to a draw. There were three decisive... because Yeah, there were three decisive victories, and now we have a draw ready with these two.
1: Well, there were three on television that we know, but they toured and did broadways all over the fucking territories well,
0: with that shit. Well, yeah, but they don't do yeah. house shows right now. So
1: exactly. But yeah, so like this is what we're going to get. And then fucking Adam, Adam, Adam page, Adam page sucks on promos. He sucks. He's, he's terrible. And then like, and basically he was just like, oh, so you want to get some old timers out here so they can get a payday. So that means that they're going to bring in nostalgia pop guys for this. Just to try to get people to watch. So like, I'm betting they're going to bring in, uh, let me think here. They'll bring in Jacques Rougeau. Because they know they can get him. Okay. And they'll probably bring in, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to think of like old NWA-ish retired guys that they would bring in. God, if they fucking bring in Flair.
0: That wouldn't shock me. Yeah.
1: Tony Khan's going to be like, ah, it's been long enough. But yeah, and they you don't even know how many judges they're going to have. So they're going to have three judges, they're going to have four. What are they going to have? Like, because I see them doing something really stupid where they have four judges and then the judges are deadlocked. And this is just going to be another reason for them to go to another Broadway that's going to be fucking boring. And then we're going to get a third match. They're ripping off two things right here. They're ripping off Flair Steamboat, and they're ripping off Punk Joe.
0: Oh, yeah. Punk Joe would be the better. They're
1: ripping off both, both of them at the same time.
0: Yeah, because Punk Joe had a draw. And then... Draws. Yeah. And now you're doing the judges thing like they did with Flair Steamboat 3. Although Flair Steamboat 3 had a... F- an actual decision with Flair regaining the title, even though they had judges ringside, which was what's the fucking point, honestly.
1: Right. But yeah, they're just, they're not being original at all. Like, and it's going to fall flat. Let's see here. Yeah. And that's what I said. They're going to try to make this the punk Joe feud. I actually said that. And time 8.36 p.m., 36 minutes before the first WWE dig in a promo on the show. I was, ti- I, I've been timing them every week. 36 minutes.
0: Do you remember who it was?
1: Uh, it was between Dan- it was Daniel. Oh, Danielson and Page because Page Danielson plus player
0: because he hasn't heard that one before, whatever,
1: right. Uh, they fed another kid to Wardlow that looked like we we got Leo Rush at home. You know, like all like all the generic guys that look exactly like Leo Rush. It's like we are, we are Leo Rush. We got Leo Rush at home. Leo Rush at home. <laughs> and of course, Spears takes all of all of Wardlow's heat again after it, and then yep. we get Dan Lambert. No one cares. Diet Cornet. <laughs>
0: Can we just end this shit with America's top team, by the way?
1: It's, it's, and the thing is like, I liked it the first week or so until I realized, number one, he's just saying everything Cornette says. And number two, he did this shtick in impact. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, that's what I wanted to find. And I don't know if I can. I want to find fucking Nielsen ratings comparisons because I want to bet any amount of money that the 10 p.m. showing of A Christmas Story on Friday does higher numbers than Rampage actually does in that time slot. Just to prove a point. Because that's why they had Rampage on Saturday because they do 24 hours of a Christmas Story. Oh, yeah. But everyone's like, oh, well, no one watches TV at 10 p.m. So like, I want to see the numbers for what they did. <laughs> for, for what they did for Christmas Story to see if it was higher than that. <laughs> And I guess I was wrong on that. I said, guarantee men of the year, interference. In Sammy and Cody setting up a tag match on dynamite. The first week of 2022, just so Cody can continue to glom onto other people's crowd reaction. I guess I was wrong on that because Cody went over Sammy Guevara clean. Like you want to, if, if you want to keep doing this teasing, being a heel thing, don't go over clean on the kid. Yeah. <clears throat> someone said honestly the owen tournament should be used to elevate younger talent i said honestly the owen tournament shouldn't even be a fucking thing (laughs) um oh yes so in a conversation because they they showed the clips for about owen hart with all the shit about how owen was a smaller guy and everything and blah blah blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. yeah, yeah yeah Owen Hart was 5'10, 240 pounds. They act like he was a fucking featherweight. Owen wasn't even the smallest guy in his family.
0: Brett boys built himself at 234.
1: As far as height goes, Bruce Hart was the smallest of them. Yeah. So they, they keep like Owen was this like little runt. And he was fucking, he was, he was bigger than Bruce and Keith. So fuck off. I'm tired of that comparison. Like, did Owen do innovative high-flying shit? Yes, Yes. absolutely. But acting like he was, you know, acting like he was the fucking size of fucking, you know, like Spike Dudley, shut up. He wasn't. He fucking, he was, he he fucking, he was 5'10". So with lifts in his boots, he was fucking six foot, six foot even and 240 pounds. Like, shut up. Oh yeah, so there, we're we're finally rounding out to get to the end of the of the hose tournament. I mean the TBS title tournament. Did you see? No, di- wow. no, 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 no. Did you see how they already changed the belt? What? The TBS title. The whole joke was going around because they showed that awful ass belt, and it was the blue TBS logo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the way it looked, it didn't look like it said TBS. It looked like it said HOS. That's why I said the hose belt, but. They changed it already, and they took out the blue. So they, uh, the the fucking the first champion hasn't even been crowned, and they already changed the belt. <laughs> Sounds right. But does does anyone expect anyone but Ruby Riot to fucking win this? Like it was dead That's obvious the, the moment. At de- it was dead obvious the moment she came in, she challenged Britt Baker and didn't win. And then the next night they announced they're going to do a tournament for this other belt. It's obvious they're going to put it on Ruby because they're not going to take the fucking women's title off of Britt Baker because they got to fucking, they got to keep fucking Adam Cole happy because that's his fucking fiance. So she's in with the fucking, she's in with the EVPs. Like fucking, everyone's like, oh, Britt Baker did this on her own. No, Britt Baker did this because she's fucking one of the guys who's besties with the EVPs. I hate to break it to you. They've been engaged, I thought. Fuck them. Uh, I'm tired. I'm tired of them pushing Alistair Black like he's the fucking Undertaker. <clears throat> uh, fucking Private Party is back. Yay. Fucking Mark Quinn. I've got stories for days about how fucking disrespectful that kid is. Oh yeah. By I wait, love how the they- other
0: semifinal, the other semifinal for the TBS title is tonight. Technically, Jade
1: Cargill Off, and fucking and
0: Thunder Rosa
1: mm-hmm see if they're smart because well because jade cargill is undefeated only because she's only had like eight matches total um <laughs> they're probably going to do ruby versus jade in the final if they're smart if not they're going to do ruby versus thunder just to have another fucking baby versus baby match shoved down our fucking throats because mm-hmm. that's what fucking AEW is known for mm-hmm like, you can do a baby face versus baby face match if it calls for it, but don't give us one every fucking week. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Remember I told you about this? So they were in fucking North Carolina. Uh-huh. They were at a fucking... They were at a hallowed arena where you can paint wrestling on a piece of poster board outside, misspelled, and that place will sell out. Yet the entire top tier of that fucking venue was blacked out. There were no people. Because what happened? They did a spot where fucking guys went through the crowd and they had the camera up and Mm -hmm. everything was empty. Mm -hmm. Everything. Mm -hmm. But hey, it's a sold out arena.
0: That made me think of one other thing, by the way. Go ahead. Not necessarily what you just said, but I got thinking a little bit more about your NWA reference earlier. Um, The other thing that bugged me about uh, AEW, yep. I understand where the show was. I understand you're trying to represent true professional wrestling. Was David Crockett presenting the TNT belt really fucking necessary?
1: Right, he'll probably be one of the judges.
0: Mm. By the way, oh, 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 and another thing, another thing. You've been advertising for weeks Adam Page on the poster for this Battle of the Belts. Remember when that is? January 8th. Okay. So you're going to do this title rematch on the 5th. Uh-huh. And then the event you've had Adam Page's face plastered all over is going to be three nights later in Charlotte. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> this, this this ranks up there with the dumb of impact having the ROH world title on the line on Hard to Kill when it's already booked to be defended right. eight days later at a debut exactly. event for a new company. Right. Fucking retards. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the main event because this is where they went through the crowds up the main event was fucking MJF and FTR versus Sting, Darby and Punk and fucking so the face paint the fucking face <laughs> paint. Oh God. <laughs> Shut up. stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. <laughs>
0: Oh, Sting at the fucking server. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and then fucking Punk decided to do fucking surfer boy Sting uh, makeup.
0: Oh my god. I'm sorry. I <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah.
1: And that match, like I remember it started and everything, and then like they went to commercial. I looked at the clock and went, and they had already gone like 10 minutes. I was like, there's still 10 minutes left of this fucking match. Like there was no reason for that six man to go 25 minutes. And then Sting almost goddamn killed MJF. I don't know if you watched that spot.
0: No, but it doesn't shock me. No.
1: Fucking Sting. So it was so it was supposed to be shit can him out the ring and have him land on FTR. Mm-hmm. Sting fucking throws him out like a sack of trash. And fucking MJF goes, goes boom, right on his head on the fucking concrete. I was like, you just killed their top heel. Thanks, Sting. Like I'm I'm happy that MJF was okay afterwards because Jesus fuck, that was a scary moment. It was, it was as scary as Lita versus Trish. Oh, and then fucking, so then, and then, and my last note on AEW, literally every trios match in AEW that's on dynamite ends the same fucking way. With the baby faces all hitting their finishers in succession, whether it's to be to win the match or to get revenge after the match.
0: Oh, good! Every you, know, time. you know, you want to know what's booked right now for tonight's edition of uh, Dynamite?
1: Dynamite's happening tonight. I thought it was a best of show. No,
0: New Year's Smash, baby, in Daly's place in Jacksonville.
1: Oh man, I have to watch this shit.
0: Yeah, the the three matches that have been previously announced are as follows. A trios match Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz against Daniel Garcia in 2.0. Uh, the TBS Championship semifinal between Thunder Rosa and Jane Cargill.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And another trios match of Orange, Taylor, and Trent against uh, the Undisputed. Cole
1: Fish and O'Reilly. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah, that was Excalibur actually said on commentary the newly formed trio of Cole Fish, and O'Reilly. <sighs> Bay Bay. Like, I don't know who I hate more Excalibur or Michael Cole.
0: Like you're, you're really, that's, that's, that's a question.
1: I don't know because like the thing is Excalibur is just a fucking Mark who just needs to shut up. Like, I don't care that you did flippy deuce for PWG for a couple years Go Suck a dick. But him on commentary, like he's granted, he's been doing it for three years now, so he should be doing fucking better. But Michael Cole has been doing play-by-play for 25 fucking years. And he's still terrible. Like, Tony Schiavone does play-by-play and fucks up, but Tony didn't watch wrestling for 20 years. Fucking Michael Cole is there every fucking week. He's fucking half-deaf from Vince yelling in his ear. And he still gets moves wrong every week fucking weak as someone who trained initially to be a fucking commentator. Fuck off. That's a, like, I'll sit here and be like, I'll be sitting here watching TV and be like, yeah, that's crap. that's crap. And then I hear the fucking commentary and I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like you're fucking wrong. Like you're getting names wrong of people, let alone moves. And they're like, Fucking people do signature move. You don't know what to fucking call it. God fucking how many times you seen Adam Cole do a fucking Ishi Garoshi and see it still fucking the only person who fucking called it an Ishi Garoshi was fucking Mauro Ronaldo. Like you want to say like, oh, we're all like New Japan? Then fucking call the moves. Someone does a fucking Falcon Arrow. Don't call it a Michinoka driver, you stupid motherfucker. It's not that hard. I know you fucking play video games all day long. You probably fucking sit there doing creator wrestler, fucking making yourself cause you're a fucking mark for yourself, and you fucking give yourself every fucking high power flippy do move that's in the fucking game. Guess what? The names of the moves are there. Use them.
0: Anything else you have to get off your chest? Fuck Taz. Well, we knew that oh. already.
1: <laughs> I can like there was oh. something. Oh yeah. But it it's not AEW, but I want to bring it up.
0: The fucking okay, match ahead. graphic
1: I sent you the other day.
0: Oh my goodness. My my face hurts from laughing. Um, hang on. Let me try to pull this up. Oh goddamn. Oh. Yeah. Um Have you t- Have you talked to Matt at all about this yet? No. Do you want to know what do you do, can, can we take a while guess what his thought would be?
1: On the fucking on the on the Onita match? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, no, fucking! I, I don't even want to know. Like, fucking. There was a reason for Trima Onita to happen. There was a build even before like the COVID fucking delay in it. There was a build to the initial encounter. There was an organic fucking story that had been set up. Not some company that's got a money mark who's going to put on a fucking super show in the arena because that's what every fucking money mark in the Philadelphia area does is rent the 2300 and do a fucking super show. I There's no reason for it. There's no reason. And... I just want to say this because I used to keep my tongue bitten. I, I used to stay quiet because he was engaged to a friend of mine, but now they're not. Fuck bully Ray. Fuck him. Fuck everything about him. Fuck him being a mark for himself and having this fucking match.
0: You're friends with her.
1: I trained with Jamie.
0: Oh, Good on you. Was that what you were talking about, though? Or was it something yes. else? Okay. Well, there's
1: another match, but I didn't care about that. But no, yeah. The, the last graphic I sent you: fucking Onita versus Bully Ray.
0: Because you sent me another one.
1: Oh, yeah. Loser has to retire for the fifth time.
0: Davey Richards, ACH, really?
1: Loser has to retire for the fifth time. <laughs>
0: By the way, the, the Davy ACH match, that's going to be uh, in Dallas for MLW on the 21st of January.
1: Yep. <laughs> <sighs> I want to know where Kurt Bauer's getting his money. Like, I'm sure, like, he's got, like, investors and shit, but it's just amazing how he's just, like, pulling these random ass people out of retirement. Retirement. <laughs> Quote, unquote.
0: <laughs> so uh, brain damage. Cause that's kinda a good summation of some of the stuff I want to bring up right now. You notice there's been a lot of brain damage brought up on the show today, by the way. Yeah. Um I have a question, Mr. Alexander. Yes? If you're the owner of a multi-billion dollar corporation that's that's become infamous in the last 18 months for firing people for no fucking reason, why do you think it's a good idea to joke about how you like to fire people on your fucking TV show?
1: Because Vince loves to troll the internet. We already know this.
0: <laughs> I really had a conniption when I saw that shit. I'm like
1: Which one? What? There's a couple of references in the past couple weeks.
0: Not the pencil thing. No. The one where he just blatantly came out and said he likes to fire people. Like he, oh, he just when fucking he said, said it. it. Yeah. Yep. Like Fuck Vince.
1: But I mean here's the thing. That line was probably written for him by one of the TV writers who wants to troll the internet. And Vince didn't even think of it because Vince is just like, "Yeah, I clever, you're fired." So yeah, that works. Vince probably didn't even realize it.
0: Oh man! Oh god! <sighs> that that's that's number one. Number two. Number two. I I don't know whether I want to. I, I'm in a weird place with this particular program that's going on. I don't know whether I want to piss, shit, or vomit on the Edge Miz program right now. I like it. I, uh... I'll tell you why I have that opinion. I'll, tell I'll give you. you why. I'll give you. I'll give you one guess, and then I'll just blatantly tell you if you don't get it right. What do you think is the one reason I'm? just not feeling what's going on with these two.
1: Uh, having Maurice involved?
0: Yes! Thank you! Thank you, Jesus! Yes! Why? Like, if... Because, because here's the thing. If you're gonna bring one, you might as well bring both. They will. There
1: is, After day one.
0: I don't fucking need it! Like, so what are we gonna do? We're just, we're just, we're just, we're just gonna fucking like. Th- do we really need this program?
1: I mean, it's a good program for Edge because he's working with someone safe, and it's giving Miz more main event clout. So that way, they can rebuild them up to main event status to, to fucking go after to go after Big E if need be in the upcoming months. I mean, Miz is a company man. He'll do anything. Edge just wants to have fun out there. He knows he's going to have fun with Miz, and there's the, they'll do this match, and then we'll have the follow-up match at the Rumble, which will be the mixed tag match of Miz and Maurice versus Edge and Beth.
0: I just feel like they pulled the trigger on this. I mean, all right, let me let me let me let me stop what I was about to say and say this: We're getting good promos out of both of them. Well, of course, you get good promos out of both them. They're Edge and Miz. Here's the thing. All right. Let let me give the ultimatum. They better have a good fucking program set up for Edge going into Mania because if not, you're going to look fucking stupid having pulled the trigger on this program before Mania because if you have nothing good planned for Edge, you might as well just save this shit for two months and had it run through February and March into Mania where you could have had the mixed tag then. Yeah. Because to me, that that mixed tag involving Beth and Maurice, two girls we haven't seen in the same ring together in what? A while. Decade? Yeah. Like, that's, I, I'd say that's kind of WrestleMania worthy, especially since you're a two-night show now. Like, right. I don't know. I feel like it's, I'll, again, I'll Unless they have something planned already for Edge, then that's just, I don't know. That's just my weird opinion. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird hill that I'm willing to die on. I don't know why. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah. It's, but it's, I mean, they're, we're getting, we're, you know, we're, we're getting good promos out of it. We got Bischoff on TV again. That was nice. That was a good fuck you to Tony Khan
0: it's that's the that's the one saving grace of this whole thing that's been leading up to day 1 um oh i'm sure you're but happy I mean, i'm sure you're happy about something that's happened though what um uh fucking el gigante junior broke up with aj yay
1: now we get a fucking babyface AJ Styles, which I fucking can't stand. I can't stand baby AJ more than I can't stand heel AJ, because now he has a reason to do flippy doos and pop the crowd.
0: I... Here's the problem, though. And what what did they just yeah. do with him? They just stuck him with green as shit. Nobody gives a fuck about Grayson Waller.
1: Because they're trying to give the kid the fucking rub and it's going to fucking end badly. As much as I don't like AJ, he's going to fucking embarrass that
0: kid. Grayson Waller doesn't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch right now.
1: Exactly. He's too fucking green. It's the fucking... It is It is so fucking sad that this is the mentality of fucking the, the backstage team who are corroborating with the booking team down at NXT. Where fucking... Because fucking... Sean kind of likes the way Waller talks that they're like, Oh, let's push him to the fucking moon. And they're like, like, you know, and they're like, Oh yeah. You know, something he, 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 he could talk. He really can't talk. Like you can tell he's fucking reading shit back verbatim. Right. But like, it's like what, because he did that one spot from the fucking war games cage. They're like, we're going to make this kid a star, put him with AJ. They'll do flips together. No, AJ's going to embarrass this fucking kid because he's green as shit. Like, as much as you... Hold
0: on, wait, 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 wait. He does one flying elbow at the top of the cage and all of a sudden we're going to push him to the moon is what you're saying. Yeah. Suck a dick. Not you. Them.
1: It's just, it's fucking ridiculous because, like, oh my God. like Like I said, AJ's going to embarrass this kid because this kid literally, literally, you go back to when Grayson Waller first came on NXT, which was a tag match with fucking Drake Maverick where he got squashed in 10 seconds. And that was literally four months ago.
0: Welcome to
1: NXT. Exactly. And I'll get to NXT in a minute as far as everything fucked up that's going on there. But I just I want to go I want to divert back to Raw. So what we're gonna have AJ versus Omos, which isn't gonna end well either way. You either have AJ beat the dude and then the dude's worthless, or you have the dude beat AJ and then it exposes the dude as a singles guy that he fucking sucks balls. Yeah, like. The dude the dude sucks. The dude is terrible. Like I know Vince loves his Giants and he loves trying to push his Giants. And every but, once in a while you get a big show. But too often you get a whole bunch of fucking Eli Cottonwoods. Like it,
0: <sighs> wow, that's a name I haven't heard. Fucking
1: in a long only, time. Right. But, and Vince tried forever to push Eli Cottonwood, even after he failed in fucking game show NXT. He was yeah. the original Luke Harper in the fucking Wyatt family. Like, he was still Eli Cottonwood, but he was the role that they fucking had Luke Harper fill because they're like, this kid sucks. Right. I mean, he was in developmental forever. Omos wasn't even in developmental. I mean, like, he was probably down at the PC, but they, they fucking, he was he was always doing the fucking I'm guarding the door for Raw Underground or I'm one of Tozawa's ninjas. Like mm-hmm. fucking like he doesn't have the singles in ring experience that's needed. He, he, he's almost is not. Uh, okay. Let me back up. The whole thing about Andre the giant and, um, who the fuck is, uh, fucking Cornette always talking about the spacemen or whatever. They were, they were big fat bald guys. There was like a whole bunch of them. Um, the whole thing is they were a fucking attraction for the territories. Nowadays, you don't need an attraction because you have a bigger you have a bigger viewscape. You have an audience and the attraction is I hate to fucking say it. The attraction is the fucking flippy dudes. But and once in a while and, and the thing is, like, remember how it used to be like when you saw a big guy move like a cruiserweight? It was the most amazing thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But now 85% of big guys do it. It's the big guys that work like slow hulking big guys that are the ones that are the fucking minority now. But OMAS is in that minority. Omas can't work. And it's the same thing with fucking Babadabaziz. Fucking like fucking, they keep they keep him saddled with Apollo. And it's not going to fucking matter because the dudes that dude. That dude was so bad. They wouldn't let him work NXT. They sent him to evolve and fucking Eddie Kingston. Couldn't get a good match out of him. So fucking, but Vince loves his fucking giants. Like I swear if they do some bullshit where fucking Baba Dabaziz fucking turns on fucking Apollo and then fucking Baba Dabaziz and Omos become a fucking tag team. Fuck everything. Just fuck everything. Fucking it's, there's no win situation. There was, there was no winning bringing Omos onto the main roster in the first place, but there is no winning with AJ versus Omos. You either have AJ, yeah, have AJ beat him, which diminishes whatever stock the dude has in a, as an unstoppable giant, or you have him beat AJ, which diminishes AJ's stock as a fucking main eventer. And then the dude goes on to have shit fucking singles matches until Vince realizes this guy sucks. yeah Like it's so bad. And plus fucking they sent Omas home on Monday. He was there and they sent him home. So Omas might have to COVID. Mm. Mm. which kind of ruins things. <laughs> But I mean, it's there's there's no winning with that. And now we're gonna get a babyface AJ in a time where you would need a heel AJ to plug into a program with Big E or a program with Damian Priest or a program with that. Like as much as I like, I said as much as I don't like AJ, that's where you should be plugging him in instead of having him carry a fucking greenhorn on NXT. Like. And that's Vince is working so fucking hard to try to get new eyes on that fucking product for for 2022. Like the first fucking NXT of the, of the new year, fucking new year's evil. You've got two guys from raw on that show now. Yep. And I, if they'll be, I want to see, I really want to see if that, if that gets mentioned on day one and if it gets mentioned on raw, because that's where they always stumble and fall is They're like, oh, we'll put these guys on NXT, and that way people will watch NXT. Then you don't advertise NXT. Uh Like, that's the whole, like, people aren't watching because, and it's not partially because they're not liking what they're seeing, but your casuals are not watching because they do not know about it. Because the only time you see advertising for NXT is during Raw or SmackDown, which is always like, yeah, yeah, we got Wale and blah, blah, blah. and I'm a bus and blah, blah, blah. And here's the splash logo. And that's it. And people are like, what the fuck was that? Basically. But if you do it like as much as, as fucking as bad as it was and as bad as Impact was getting built for it, when they were having those spots where fucking Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone were showing up on Impact, talking about the matches that were going to be on Dynamite the following night. That's what you should be doing on Raw with NXT. You fucking especially especially last night or not last night, Monday night when they were fucking when they were so strained for fucking segments because they sent so many people home. Mm -hmm. They could have plugged in fucking shit about NXT there and been like, this is what happened. Happened is happening on NXT. Tune in tomorrow night. They could have easily done that instead of. Fucking I was counting and fucking Matthew James messaged me and he was counting that segment for the U S title between Damian priest and Dolph Ziggler Ziggler enters the ring. Ziggler is standing in the ring. Now figuring out like I was just at a SmackDown taping. So like when a guy gets introduced and then they start showing whatever's going on for the TV, it shows up on the fucking Tron in the fucking Mm -hmm. center square. So you're seeing, and the dude's just standing in the ring, or standing alongside, or commentary, or something. You know how long it was between the time Dolph Ziggler got introduced and the time Damian Priest came out and the match started? Four minutes. Fifteen minutes. (laughs) What? Fifteen minutes. Ziggler comes out. They go to commercial. They come back. They fucking show a fucking promo package about fucking Becky and Liv. They go to another commercial break. They come back. They show Damien Priest doing a fucking pre-cut promo from earlier in the day backstage. They talk about some other shit about day one. They go to commercial. They come back. They talk about some other shit. Then Damien Priest comes out. 15 minutes! What? 15 fucking minutes! That doesn't make sense! Who booked this shit? We have a skeleton crew and a bunch of people went home. So? Fucking plug. You have. That doesn't excuse poor formatting. Right. Poor formatting, exactly. Fucking Kevin Dunn. It's it's fucking ridiculous. Like, because, like, you could tell who they sent home on Monday because so we had to drag out that shit between Dolphin Priest. There was no, there was no Bianca. There was no Dewdrop. There was no fucking Biggie, which obviously they were precaution. Seth had COVID. Fucking Lashley was there. Fucking Owens is there. They decided to rehash Lashley and the Hurt business because we don't know if they're actually still back together or not. Like, Cause they put them back together for the thing versus Goldberg. But then they're like, Oh, well, we don't care. But then, then Monday night they had Shelton and Ben Shelton and fucking Cedric come out and be like, yeah, you know, you were better when we were the hurt business. Like I thought you fucking were back together like two months ago. Like what the fuck is going on? I haven't seen either of you motherfuckers on TV since fucking Saudi Arabia, but you tested negative. So get the fuck out there. Like, there were, like, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, I guarantee, like, I haven't even looked on Twitter and shit, because I guarantee the fucking AEW goblins are all over. Oh, there was literally only, like, 15 minutes of actual wrestling on Raw on Monday night. Yeah, no shit! Because fucking everyone got sent home! They had to pull stupid Greenhorn Waller up from NXT for the fucking day. Fucking fucking terrible. And then what was worse is they gave us the bait and switch, which I didn't really care about because they did that segment with AJ and Waller and then fucking Apollo and fucking Baba Dabaziz came out. And they said that AJ was gonna face Baba Dabaziz, and then they came back from Roshman, like, oh no, we met AJ versus Apollo. Can you see that they get one more time? Baba Dabaziz? Oh my God. You see that there's a reason I do that. It's because, okay. So it's actually a Bobby ocean story.
0: Oh, geez.
1: so you see back <laughs> in the ahead. day, back in the day when Bobby ocean was still very, very green. When he was first starting his first matches, Bobby ocean didn't like, so when Bobby ocean was training, cause he started training very young and they, they, they weren't going to put him in the ring until he was at least 18, but everyone called him chill. Will. Titus. Here, come here. So everyone called him chill. He didn't really have a name. Then when he was uh, 18, he started, he started working. He had his first couple of matches. He had his first couple of matches. Um, He came out. I don't know why he called himself Zorin. Don't know why. He came out, he came out in black tights and a fucking Punisher tank top and called himself Zorin. I, I don't get it. So that was like, and we were like, we don't like that name. But they didn't know what to call him. So there was a series of shows where either Mike Milano or Jason Knight just gave him a name and we ran with it. And so one show he was Doc Johnson. And then another show he was Smooth Willie Shaft. And then <laughs> <laughs> There there was a few until finally we decided on the shaft Bobby ocean, but in between the time we actually got to the shaft Bobby ocean, there was a, he did a run in and I didn't know what to call him. So I was just like, I was just like, chill, smooth. Will Zorn, shaft is out here. <laughs> and oh. I just ran with it. But so every time I see fucking this motherfucker. Because he was named Baba Tunde, and then he was named Dabakato, and now he's Commander Aziz. Now he's Baba Dabaziz. Fuck you. Oh. Fucking Eddie Kingston used to call <sighs> Baba Buoy and fucking evolve.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Jesus. Oh, man. <clears throat>
1: but yeah, it's fucking. But yeah, so, but, but yeah, the, like the, so yeah, the show was running on a skeleton crew. They showed a lot of fucking packages. Yeah. No Becky, no live there. I don't think there were any women there at, at all, except for Dana Brooke and oh no. Cause to me, yeah, Tamina was there. They, they did a mixed tag match of Tamina and fucking, uh, 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 uh fucking R-Truth. I almost said take quick Tamina and R-Truth against fucking Reggie and fucking Dana Brooke where Reggie damn near almost fucking killed R-Truth. Shocker. Because he decided to do a reverse code red and dropped fucking dropped truth right on his fucking head and then landed on it.
0: Wait, 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 hold on. You'll have to run me through reverse code red. Walk me through that.
1: It was. uh, Because you know how, you know how fucking, uh, you know how Reggie does that. I'm a flip over and sit on your chest and that's how I fucking pin the dude. Oh, Yeah. So he tried to do it while fucking truth was coming at him. So they like almost collided and he decided to do no, a flip. No, and just no, threw no. And Dropped him right on his fucking head. No. Oh it was bad. God. It was bad.
0: Now I have to pull up raw on my DVR just to see that. Holy shit. Oh my it's God. Bad. I. This what happens when you do two days of basketball and look not to watch any fucking TV. All right to pull that up Goddamn.
1: and then i mean and they you can tell they were short staff for people because they didn't do the fucking benny hill 24 7 shit afterwards like dana brooke just walks out like nothing like they didn't have like all the fucking not even tamina fought like and that's just i'm sorry but in a time where every company under the sun is doing intergender matches don't give me this whole the guys can't go after him so we have to have tamina go after him bullshit right like it's just terrible. Uh fucking I didn't catch SmackDown, unfortunately. And this week is a fucking best of. Um, but I mean Yeah. Why the fuck is Otis still a thing? Yeah, they, they had to fucking they had to drag that out by doing Riddle versus Chad Gable and then doing Orton versus Otis. Which I'm sorry, but with all the with all the work you're putting into that program why are RKO facing the street profits at day one? Like you have put so much into this program against Chad and Otis, but the street profits won a tournament, which, Oh my God. Speaking of, Oh my God. So Dominic damn near almost killed fucking Montez Ford. Same show. Yes. Same show. They decided to do a stereo dive to the outside where it was supposed to be a stereo dive into hurricane Rana's and Dominic did a stereo dive into what he was trying to do as a code red and fucking Montez Ford went headfirst into the fucking barricade while he was standing there. Yeah. So you had Dominic almost kill Montez Ford. You had Reggie almost kill our truth.
0: Reason number 57 of why Dominic needs to go away.
1: No shit. And dude, like I, I'm, I'm so thankful that fucking they, the Mysterios didn't go over because, oh God, but this was the most horrible thing. Like, luckily, like, so fucking, they had fucking, they had a, a spot where fucking Ray was knocked out. They take Dominic. Montez f- f- fucking, uh, sorry, Dawkins gives him the silencer. Montez goes from the heavens to count, which is bullshit. Shouldn't kick out. Well, I think Ray saved him. So, okay, never mind. Literally four seconds later, fucking Dawkins gets shit canned. They knock out Montez and have fucking Dominic go up for the fucking shitty splash. I'm like, you just watched the person with the greatest frog splash in the industry today take the shittiest frog splash five seconds later. I was like, I swear if he gets pinned one, two kick out, thank you. But then, um, Street profits actually, I don't remember if they've ever done it before. I don't recall seeing it. They may have an early NXT, but, uh, they used a double team finisher that uh team tremendous used to use. Not tremendous. What do you call? It? So both Dan Barry and Ken Scampi used it. And, Tremendous investigations. Dan Barry and Bill Carr used to use it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where they put Do- they put Dominic up on fucking Dawkins shoulders and then fucking Montez came off with a rolling blockbuster. And it was a good finish. And I'm like, I haven't seen that moving in forever. <laughs> I think the last time I saw it was uh ISW when, when uh Bill Carr and Dan Barry won the tag belts from uh fucking Pasquale and uh, the Snow Crab. Jesus. When they did it onto a pile of dry pasta. It was the whole thing with the match.
0: That, uh, yeah, I, I kind of figured that.
1: <laughs> the whole thing was because um, Pasquale was a chef and Bastion Snow was a giant crab. So they were the food fighters. And it was just funny because they did this whole thing where Pasquale, Pasquale's mask was kind of like the like like the Pringles guy,
0: uh-huh.
1: but Pasquale pulled a promo at the beginning where he looked at them and he was like, "I hate cops" because they were supposed to be cops, and so he pulls off the mask, and he had evil Pasquale mask which was reversed, so it was black with the white mustache and sideburns. And I just I was up on the balcony and fucking Pinky Sanchez goes. Pasquale looks like Frederick Douglass. And I'm like, no, the rent is too damn high. Because if you remember that guy, that's what he looked like. God almighty. And he was evil Pasquale. And then the most hilarious thing, fucking right near the beginning of the match, fucking, 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 (laughs) fucking Pasquale tags in Bastion Snow. Bastion Snow's in the ring. Dan Barry gets over, tags in Bill Carr. The car gets in the ring and just looks at him and goes, you look delicious. fucking <laughs> sick But yeah, they did a spot in the match where they brought in a, a giant sack and everyone thought it was thumbtacks and they poured it out and it was dry pasta.
0: Oh, God almighty.
1: That was a good night, man. That was the same night we watched Dave Cole do cocaine in the ring.
0: <laughs> it wasn't actually i i assumed that so okay he was working he was
1: working sexy eddie and dave was still doing the uh, the the spiritual warrior gimmick at the time so he faked like he was rolling a joint in the fucking corner and shit before the match and like sexy eddie was going off and there was a spot where there was for some reason there was a there was a there was a powder spot But like I think like Dave kicked him and the powder went all over the ring, and so then fucking sexy Eddie took him down for a wheelbarrow. So Dave was going down and Dave was going like this with his hands, and they were going back and forth. And he was just going along the powder, and he's like, "No, let me go back down again." Oh god.
0: Oh my goodness. I was,
1: <laughs> I was up in the balcony dying. <sighs> but anyways, getting back to WWE. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So, we'll side we'll, side, we'll side over to NXT now. Oh god. Because... Hold on. Can I just
0: can I just put this out there first real quick? Yes, uh It's amazing how we went from strapping the rocket to Carmelo and Odyssey in that tournament to now Odyssey is jobbing out to Grayson Waller to open NXT.
1: Well, because they they realized that Odyssey Jones hasn't been on TV in the past few weeks and they got got to get the pop for him. Like... Because it's, and like I said, like we've discussed this on the program, how neither of us really see anything out in Odyssey Jones. But he's a fucking ex-football guy that weighs 400 pounds that looks like Mark Henry and Vince is in love. So we're going to get stuck with him, no matter how much we want. And but like, it's, it's just, not saying that he's a bad worker. It's just, ah, there's nothing to him. Like, he's literally a guy where, like, every time I see him come out, I'm like, it's big cat Curtis Hughes, like babyface Curtis Hughes. And I'm like, I have nothing fucking to say. But if you turned him into heel, Mr. Hughes, you could do something with him. Like, not specifically that exact character, but heel Odyssey Jones would get over much
0: more. And here's the second thing I want to bring up. Go ahead. Why don't you just put Santos Escobar on fucking Monday or Friday nights already? Just get it over with.
1: Here's my synopsis on that, because I agree. I think that he should have been up there already because Vince really, especially, especially on Fridays because Friday Smackdown has always had a large contingent of Latino viewers and Santos has proven that he can work and he can talk. I think the reasoning is I think it's gotten to the fact it's gotten to the part where Dunn and Pritchard are the ones that go and fucking speak to Vince so they see him down there and they're like well because they haven't been watching the product for more than the last few months they don't realize what Santos can do on his own so they're like well he's saddled with these two other guys and we're gonna have to bring all three up and then we're just gonna fire him like we did hit row because he's because Fucking Raul Mandoz and Zima Ion. Sorry, I don't see anything in them. The money in that entire stable is Santos.
0: Well, yeah, we know that.
1: But the thing is, he can run on his own, and the, like, but they just they haven't seen it, so they don't want to fucking give it a chance. Like, even if you watch all the social media shit, fucking Santos has done, like on, on the WWE Instagram and the bump and shit. Like, he can mm-hmm. talk. He can mm-hmm. talk, and he's bilingual. He's Latin, like. You're talking about a guy who went from being a masked luchador to saying, "I'm going to work without the mask and get over and doing it." Mm-hmm. Like I think, I think that Santos got hamstrung at Takeover this year because they did the they did the the, the dual cruiserweight title match for the fucking belts uh, for, for, oh, for him and the fucking Devlin? ladder match. Yeah, him and Devlin in the ladder match, and it didn't get over because you had two heels. You had two heels in a ladder match and no one really cared. Especially right. when the uh, the core audience in America doesn't necessarily watch NXT UK. So they see Jordan Devlin and why, And they're like, why do, we have mo- why do we have fucking Mongoloid Finn Balor on our screen? And fucking, it's it, no one cared. Because they were like, oh, this is the guy that won back at Full Sail and then took off to England and then COVID happened and no one cares. Like, fucking, it's... And then like, I just I, I I don't get it. Cause now, like, what are they gonna do with Santos? Like, are they gonna have him go after Carmelo for the fucking North American title after the shit's said and done? Are they gonna have him fucking go after Ciampa? Are they, they're fucking oh god, I don't wanna say it. Go after Braun. <sighs> like, there's because that's that's that is the major problem that's going on with NXT is Aside from what you call put Santos aside for a moment. Put put Legato aside completely. They have put too many eggs in one basket. They have put everything they have into Braun Breaker. So, once you have this match at New Year's Evil, which there is no reason Braun Breaker should win that fucking title. There is no reason you want to talk about televised matches. You want to talk. This is a dude who literally had his first match on TV a few months ago. Not his first match in the company. His first televised match. You want to talk about too much too fast. This is the prime example. So, you're either going to have Ciampa defeat him, which is the smart thing to do, because the smart thing is to fucking keep that fucking title on Ciampa and fucking keep the North American title on Carmelo and have people scrap their way up to getting to it. Have Ciampa be the old man that is somehow still fucking unbeatable. So, by the time someone builds up enough, the win means something. (laughs) but they're going to put all this fucking stock in Braun Breaker. And then what happens after this match? They haven't built up anyone else to get to that fucking, to be in that main event spot. So what are they going to do? Braun? What are they going to do? Braun versus fucking Grayson Waller? Because that's the only other guy they've kind of been backing lately.
0: Braun versus Von Wagner.
1: Yeah. Braun versus Von Wagner. Fuck that. Like, are they going to be really stupid and do Braun versus Carmelo and unify all the fucking belts? Like, fucking, they have no one to face him. But granted, they have no one to face Tommaso after, if if he retains. Granted, you could, you could, you could, it's easier to have someone come out the following week on NXT to challenge Ciampa and try to build a program with Mm there than it is to try to bring someone out to face Braun because they have just built him up so much. Yep. And he's not the whole reason that that the only reason that program is working is because he is in there with a vet who knows what they're doing and can carry the match. That was the whole thing with war games. The only reason that war games match worked is cuz they were facing four fucking vets who knew what they were doing. You take that out of the equation and you are going to have the shittiest fucking matches and no one's going to care. The product that they have been out has been on a slow decline. It hasn't been like a sharp one, but it's been on a slow decline because of this new model. And the, the whole problem is that Cause Vince is on this kick of, I only want to do homegrown talent. I'm doing this NIL bullshit. I don't want to look at the fucking Indies, all this shit. Six to eight months from now, Vince is going to look back and go, well, that didn't fucking work. And he's going to blame everyone but himself. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to hand it back to Hunter and Hunter's going to have to fucking sit there and fucking make a mosaic out of all the shattered pieces to try to put together something that'll work again. Because everyone's like, oh, Vince is just going to cancel NXT. No, they still have a contract for NXT to be on USA for the next two to three years. Like they're not getting out of that contract. So yeah. NXT is not going to die. And as far as it was like the death of the old NXT, no, it's just it's going through a time where Vince wanted to try a shiny new toy that he doesn't that he doesn't really like. Right now, NXT is woody. The NXT that we love is Woody, and the NXT that fucking fucking Vince has is Buzz Lightyear. So, the NXT we want doesn't get attention right now, because Buzz is the shiny new toy. Eventually, we're going to find a medium between the two.
0: Okay. (laughs) I like this Toy Story reference, at least. That was good.
1: It, it seemed, it seemed fitting for some reason. I don't know why. Like, I it think worked. it's because just, just because shiny new toy always comes into mind. And so, yeah, that works. Um, oh, they debuted dollar store Carmela. I mean, Tiffany Stratton.
0: I was wondering if you were going to bring that up.
1: Dude, the fuck. She looks like Carmella. It looks like they went to fucking spirit Halloween the day after the fucking, the day after fucking October 31st and bought a fucking frozen dress and turned it into a tennis skirt. Like she lo- literally looks like that, that fucking that gear that she was wearing literally looks like the princess dress shit. You see out for a fucking right Aid Halloween costume. Like yeah. bro, the fuck and her work. She's she, yeah. terrible, terrible, terrible. I don't even know the name of the chick she was working against, but she was terrible. terrible. Fallon Henley. Oh, that's what it was? Uh, yeah. Fucking I, uh, that she did the spot where she tried to do the flip, flip, flip into the, like, who the fuck used to do that into the corner? What chick used to do that?
0: The flip, flip, flip into the corner?
1: Like the backwards somersault three times and elbow the chick in the corner?
0: Who used to do that? There was a chick that used to do it. China kind of did it?
1: Not China, no. It was like oh. Michelle McCool or fucking someone like that used to do it. Oh, um, Kelly Kelly or fucking National Mazzaro. Someone like that used to do it.
0: I think Kelly Kelly is what you're thinking of.
1: Probably. Yeah.
0: But like she fucked up that spot. She didn't flip,
1: flip, flip, stopped and realized, oh shit, I'm nowhere near the corner. Uh, like it was terrible. (laughs) And if you go back and watch last night's matches, the ones with greenhorns, literally every match you see the same thing in the first two minutes you see standoff collar and elbow international body slam every match like they're literally just taking what they did in training that day and putting it out there and not realizing they're all doing the same
0: thing and you're shocked
1: well coming from someone that and they have trainers there who have worked shows where it's like coming from something like when you're on a show like that you sit in the back and you watch the monitors and you watch other people's matches so you're not doing the same shit that's like cardinal rule like you think these kids like honestly like there's something happening there where like HBK is just being too lenient on these kids mm-hmm. and it's probably because fucking Pritchard and Dunn are like we want to push these people so don't piss you know, don't discourage them because I'm sorry but How I was trained, you fucking do some boring ass shit. And the match, the second you come back, you go, what the fuck was that? And then if someone else goes out there, the very next match is the same boring ass shit. The second they come through the back, fucking rolled up newspaper. What the fuck is your problem? Like I was, that's the way I was raised. Side note, fucking NEFW show back in the day. Fucking first time fucking Isaiah Rex's little brother was on a show. Fucking Noel, fucking baby Rex. Yeah. He's in the pre-show. He goes out there and does a fucking moonsault. I I turn right to Isaiah. Yeah, I turn to Isaiah Rex and I go, that's your brother? He goes, yeah. I go, the second he comes back here, you better fucking slap him in the face. He's like, what? I'm like, it's the pre-show and he's doing a fucking moonsault. Like, how the fuck is anyone supposed to fucking follow that? Like, yeah, it looks good. You're in the pre-show. You're in a student nest. Fuck off. You know, that was going back to fucking Mark Quinn. Fucking, I I, I swear, I want to write to Cornette one day because Cornette's like, oh, Mark Quinn could be a fucking star if he does this. No, Mark Quinn has passed all that because he's got a fucking ego. Fucking Mark Quinn. Every fucking show that I have been on, that I have booked, that he has been there, he doesn't fucking listen. Like, you're in the opening match. What's your finish? I'm doing a 450. No, you're not. Why not? Because you're in the first match. That's why. But that's what I do. Figure something else out. I'm going to do a shooting star. No, you're not. Why? Because it's the first fucking match. And then, fuck it. And then, like, he fucking went off, and I was just like, oh. And then one day, fucking, the last show we ran in Torrington, someone didn't show up and we needed a filler and fucking uh, Mark Quinn came riding up with fucking Hank Flanagan. It was just like, okay, we're going to have you work. One of the fucking TOS students. I was like, all right, you're the opening match. And I turned and I said, no four fifties in the opening match. He's like, why not? I'm like, I've been telling you this for eight fucking years. Like, do you not recall that I'm the one that used to yell? And I fucking, I called out fucking shell. I was like, shell come in here and slap this motherfucker. I was like, because that, that was the thing. It was just like, you don't want to listen to the booker. I'm going to stick the producer on you. because Everybody's afraid of shell. <laughs> With good reason. Exactly. Well, to quote, to quote Steve the Turtle Whiner, I, <laughs> I'm afraid of your wife. Why? Because she hits like a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. 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 Everyone's afraid of shell and they're afraid of my wife. <laughs> smart men, smart men. You don't fuck with the real housewives of Defiant Ink.
0: <laughs> Damn right. But
1: yeah, so, but they, so, yeah, so they put all this stock in this shit and they've got nowhere to go. And then, like, the same thing with the women's. Like, that was the dumbest shit last night of let's have a tag match just to see what people are going to be in a triple threat. Like, it's, you've got these people. Why don't you just yank out Cora Jade and have a fucking four way? or yank out EO and have a four away because EO really had no reason to be in that fucking equation at the time. Like as much as I think she's great, she hasn't been in the title contention lately, you know, but no, we're going to fucking, we're going to throw it in. So fucking now Raquel has to carry Mandy Rose and Cora Jade.
0: Have fun with that.
1: Right. It's going to be terrible. it's just there's so many choices right now that make no sense like the only thing that i'm looking forward to on fucking fucking new year's evil the only match i am actually genuinely looking forward to
0: the six man is
1: yes exactly that's the only thing like i'm afraid to watch the title match
0: i'm afraid to watch what walter does support riddle and msk (laughs)
1: No, you know something? Riddle, Riddle, <laughs> Riddle can hang you're with Walter. Way. Yeah. No, Riddle can hang with Walter because, like, this we're going to see Catchpoint Riddle come out. Like, which I dig.
0: You're going to see former New York State high school wrestling champion Matt Riddle. That's what you're going to see. Yes,
1: exactly. You're going to see MMA Riddle. Like, you're going to, like, you know, fucking, like, yeah, the six man. And okay, Carmelo and Strong, I look forward to seeing because I'm going to be happy to see Carmelo fucking.
0: Get the shine. I mean,
1: it sucks. Yeah, it's to get the shine. It sucks that they're getting rid of the Cruiserweight title, but really, like, you knew this was coming.
0: Well, oh, yeah.
1: Like, I guarantee, like, remember a couple of years, like, not even a couple, like, a year ago when they were talking about making a second NXT show and calling it NXT Evolve, and yep. they actually shot stuff for it, and then they fired half yep. the guys that were on it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's probably what 205 Live is going to become now. It's probably going to be NXT Evolve. That's what I'm guessing. Because they were because they had Joe Gacy drop the line about uh I'm 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 working to have the name of a certain show changed. So I mean because it's not cruiserweights anymore and it's definitely not live. So I could see that becoming NXT Evolve. Um fucking Andre Chase. Like I get it, dude. You're living your dream as a wrestler, but you were fucking ring crew. Like he was a fucking producer kid. He worked ring crew for ROH. Like he's uh, he comes to the ring dressed like a dork, and even if he wasn't dressed like a dork, like he's not like built like a wrestler. Like he's lanky. And he's just out there to be fed to guys. And he fucked up he fucked up that finish. He pulled a Christian and Scott Steiner.
0: Oh god.
1: You know the spot I'm talking about, Christian and Scott Steiner. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But the,
1: uh, yeah, Andre Chase did that last night because our boom, boom, and then stopped and Chase kept going. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, you're green. I get it, but still, no. And like, I'm, I'm guessing Kendrick. I'm guessing Kendrick got fucking COVID too, because like. I don't understand why they wouldn't have had that match. Hey <laughs> Vay. Um but yeah. Yeah. Like besides that,
0: like fucking I'm trying to figure- So we got day one coming up on Saturday. And gonna be intriguing, maybe. Kind of. We'll see. Right now I see seven yeah. matches booked for day one.
1: They actually have seven matches booked. Yeah, I mean, they, they, got money.
0: They, they haven't they haven't the website hasn't officially announced or posted the raw tag title match, but there's seven booked. There's a WWE oh, yeah. title. There's WWE title match. There's Brock Roman. There's the SmackDown tag titles. Edge, Miz, Becky, Liv, Drew, and Mad Cat Moss. Oh, God. Yeah. The, the Raw tag titles.
1: Well, maybe they're saving the Raw tag titles for next week for Monday. I don't know. And not having it at day one. I mean, I mean, we'll see.
0: Like, yeah.
1: Um, what was it? So no Intercontinental. T- oh, no. Yeah. No. Um. It's not there, but they it, it happened uh, on SmackDown. Uh, they're going to do Sami Zayn and Nakamura for the IC title. Oh, okay. the, on the pre-taped SmackDown last week, they had Sami win a tournament or battle royal or something to face Nakamura, which Sami and Nakamura already proved they can pull a banger of a match the first time Nakamura was in NXT. So,
0: no, did they? I
1: don't know <laughs> about that, yeah, fucking. I love how everyone's talking about, like, there's big implications with Roman and Brock concerning WrestleMania. No, there isn't. That's Meltzer bullshit. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Brock has a contract for two matches a year. There ain't no way he's going to beat Roman and then not wrestle until Mania. Right. Right. Yeah, I remember uh, how I they said though like, there was something else I thought of as far as like an attraction match for Brock that mania and I'm forgetting what it was. It was besides Brock versus Trashley. There was something else and I'm forgetting what it was. Shit. I can't remember when I was just like, I could see them doing that instead. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. And su- supposedly at a house show, Seamus like helped Drew. So they're like, oh, Seamus turned babyface. I'm like, it was at a house show. That doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, like they're they're pushing Seamus and fucking Ridge Holland right now. Like that's yeah. their heels. Let's not be happening. stupid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's just. I mean, let's hope Becky is okay because obviously she lives in the same household as Seth. Mm-hmm. Plus, they've got a baby. Like that's scary shit. Exactly. Um, Fucking yeah! It's 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 just it's an odd time because we're not going to have a SmackDown on Friday, but we're going to have a pay per view the next day.
0: It's very odd.
1: Like and so unfortunately, Raw was technically the go home show, and they really couldn't do anything for it because they sent everyone home. Yep. So yeah, that's we're we are in odd times. <laughs> but I mean, I guarantee that now Vince is going to be like, "Well, this didn't work." we're not going to do a January pay-per-view anymore. Like, or that he's going to move the rumble back to it. Cause like, remember we haven't had besides the rumble. We haven't had a January pay-per-view since new year's revolution. Yep. Which only happened that one year. And it's only remembered for one thing.
0: They had more than just one.
1: I thought they only had the one in Puerto Rico.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Shows how memorable
0: it was. <clears throat> <laughs> New Year's Revolution pardon me for a second while I uh, pull this up because I'm trying to remember the exact year I want to say 07 but please hold, give me a moment while I okay pull it up here so blah 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 scrolling down here we go 2006, January 8th, 2006, I was in attendance. This was at the Pepsi Arena, as it was called back then, in Albany, New York. Oh, shit. Main event,
1: Elimination Chamber. And that was the most memorable New Year's Revolution moment, was right after that chamber match.
0: When Edge cashed in against Cena as a bloody mess at the end of that. Yes. Yep. And that was Edge's first World Championship reign. Yep. So, Edge, so I actually have a note about this in my phone. You could argue, and this is how, uh, this is the one the last, this is pretty much the last thing I'm going to bring up here on the show. You could argue that quite possibly the most, I guess, influential city of Edge's career is Albany, New York. I'll explain why. Just let me find this list. Okay. I have a fucking list. I'm trying to find it. Where are you? Oh, my God. Did I really delete it at some point? I'm going to really be mad at myself. But off the top of my head... Okay, here it is. So, um, number one, Adam Copeland came up with the name Edge for his character because as the story goes that he said in an interview before... He was driving around before a show in Albany. And back then we had a channel called 103.9 The Edge. It was I have to listen to that rock station at that point and heard that name. It was like, huh? I like that. And that's how Edge came about. That's number one. Number two, um, Edge won his first world title, like I just mentioned. And three. Mm-hmm although the the speech he gave the night after mania on raw is more memorable to people mm-hmm. his last official appearance before going into retirement and, for, and forfeiting the world heavyweight title mm-hmm. was smackdown that same week which took place in albany oh damn so th- three of the most memorable points of his career creating his name his first world title and his final appearance as world champion before going into retirement were in albany all ah i see crazy a little crazy
1: oh you know what we didn't mention what the pro wrestling team's data breach
0: when did that happen
1: uh, they announced it last like a couple of weeks ago but more info came out about it uh, this week hold okay. on hold on let me let me pull this up mm. so yeah so basically they said there was a data breach but said it only happened like recently apparently it goes all the way back to April. Uh, oh. Pro Wrestling Tees data breach affected 31,000 consumers since April, not oh, November as claimed. Man. In a new way to the Pro Wrestling Tees security breach that rocked the site in November, the official number of affected users has been revealed. According to recent update from the Office of Maine Attorney General, 31,000 people were affected by the data breach. Furthermore, the date of the breach was also known as having been April 1st, 2021. Pro Wrestling Tees did didn't acknowledge the breach itself until November 2021 as part of its investigation in cooperation with law enforcement. The report notes that alongside names and other personal identifiers acquired in the breach, things like financial account number or credit debit card numbers in combination with security code, access code, password, or PIN for the account were all potentially found within the breach. Earlier this week, Pro Wrestling Tees confirmed that once the investigation was complete, the company said it made a list of users who were affected by the breach and it handed that list off to a data breach notification company, which would then send out letters to inform the users. So you're talking about a 31,000 person class action suit that's ought to be brought against pro wrestling tees.
0: Yikes.
1: Which is, besides Tony Khan's pockets, is AEW's primary source of income. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. And the thing is, like, there's... So, here's my deal with Pro Wrestling Tees. It gives workers a chance to sell their merchandise without having to pay up front to have shit made. Like those of us who have been in the business for 18 years have to do. Like, I always, like, I've always been a proponent of having your merch there physically. So that way you can, you know, sell it as is. But I understand how some guys are just like, you know, in the, in the age of social media, they're like, oh, well, I travel. So here's, pro. I have a pro wrestling tee shop, which let's call a spade a spade. It's the same thing as having a cafe press shop. It just means that you made the design and they're making the bulk of the money but so many wrestlers have gotten lazy that that's what they choose to do. Every indie guy that I freaking see now that like sends me a freaking request on social media has a pro wrestling T site. So now you're not only talking about people that bought shit off there, but you're talking about workers who signed up on that site. So it affects more than the fans.
0: That's just stupid.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, like, And I'm sorry, but like, there's, there's an old adage in business. It takes money to make money. That's Mm -hmm. how it is. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, something, you know, something I'm still sitting on maybe about 15 or 20 fucking revelation t-shirts that's on me. But when I had them printed, I made my money back and then some. I just had to put aside the money to do it. There's sites out there where you can have your shirts. The, the company I went through, I had my shirts made. They cost me, I want to say maybe seven dollars a piece when it came down to it. Maybe less. I don't know, maybe it was six. But still. So yeah, I had to put up the money ahead of time, but I can sell those t-shirts for what I deem worthy. And I really wasn't selling, I was, I think we're selling them for ten. Like as long as I'm making back my wholesale cost and getting a certain percentage profit on top of the country, cause I went to business school and that's how you fucking do it. You know, that's why like there. Cause unfortunately there's guys out there that be like, Oh, I had these shirts made six bucks a piece and I charged 25 for them. No. Then you wonder why I'm selling. Meanwhile, I'm only sitting on like 15, maybe 20 revelation shirts. when My initial order was for a hundred.
0: I believe it's called cost margin. If I remember correctly.
1: Yes, Exactly. But now with pro wrestling teas, they're like, oh, I ain't got to do shit. Same thing with people who go through some heel shit down in Connecticut. You're not making shit. The asshole that's making the fucking shirts is making all the money. Oh, people. But, you know, it's it's it ends. it's here's here's where I get on my angry old wrestling vet soapbox. Hold on. I've got arthritis. Mm, mm. Stop being lazy. We live in a time in the business where everyone wants everything else done for them all the way down to your fucking merchandising. I start running shows again. I want to have t-shirts there with my company logo on them. I'm not going to have Matthew James standing in the ring going, if you want one of our shirts, go to prowrestlingtees.com and put it in this keyword. Fuck you. They want the shirt right there. They want it in mm-hmm. hand that day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: like, And like some people are like, you know, it's it's obvious if you can make a design to go on a shirt like then th- why let someone else make all the fucking money on it? Especially in, in a time where we're all like shop small and you know, support small businesses and shit. Pro Wrestling Tees doesn't need your fucking money. They're fucking owned by fucking AEW. Go to the fucking local screen shop in your fucking town where the guy's fighting to pay his rent. Get quality work done because I'm telling you I've gotten two shirts from pro wrestling tees as gifts Uh and the quality is terrible. I can't wear them anymore because either the logo has already fucking started cracking and all that shit, or there's fucking rips in them.
0: No Like
1: Perfect example. See this shirt right here. Uh It looks as new as the day I bought it. I got this at their, let's face it, 20th anniversary tour, which was 2018. So almost four years. Still looks brand new. Has many washes. You buy a pro wrestling t-shirt, you wash it twice. (laughs) It's like, I love $6 shirts. I love them. But I wouldn't pay anything more than $6 for what you get. Because after you watch them a few times, you... Right. But they're good for what they're worth. But yeah. So you're talking about... So yeah. So you've got a company that is making their money off of workers to stay in business. (laughs) But everyone's like, this is the greatest thing. No, stop being lazy. Stop being fucking lazy. Make your own fucking merch. Make more than t-shirts. There's so many times where we've seen people and they have a certain gimmick and we're like, why don't you have merch to go with that? Perfect example. There's a kid he used to wrestle out of the sanctuary, wrestle on one of our shows, Damian Gibbs.
0: Mm-hmm. Works him. Bobby
1: ocean came yep. to the ring with that little fucking parasol. Mm-hmm. We were like, why don't you have any of those merch? fucking order from fucking Alibaba or some shit fucking put, you know, fucking put a fucking like calligraphy DG on it or whatever. Like you have merch right there, why aren't you doing that? You know, and that's there's so many, so many workers don't have merch. Like you want to talk about making money at a fucking show, have merch. Mm -hmm. You know, fucking we always we always offer we always offer at our shows that you can sell your merch. If you're a baby face, you can go out during intermission to do it. If you're a heel, have someone else sell it for you. If not, have one of our guys run, you will know, put your shit on our merch table and kick us back like a dollar from every shirt sold just because we got someone selling your shit for you. Right. Like it's it's, it's a sad state of affairs as to where the fucking business is going because now you go to a fucking show you you don't see merch tables. You see indie guys who no one knows sitting there going, oh, I've got I can sign eight by tens for you because I went to stables and these cost a dollar a piece. Like no one knows who you are, but you know something, if they see you work and they like you and you've got cool fucking shirt, they'll fucking Mm -hmm. go at intermission and buy it. That's how this shit works. It's the same thing as if you go, like if you go to a concert and you fucking see an opening band, you're like, holy shit, those dudes are awesome. They got a merch table. Boom. That's how I fell in love with masked intruder. Saw them open up for fucking Les Jake and Real Big Fish. Fucking walked in. They fucking blew me away. I go over to their table. They got a fucking shirt. It's like, it's, it's fucking, it's their fucking, it's the Ramones logo. But their whole gimmick is they're all fucking criminals. So they wear ski masks on stage. So the, it's the fucking Ramones logo, but all the Eagles have fucking ski masks on. <laughs> and I bought that shit, good. you know, and the, that's how you fucking, you know, it's, it's, there's no organic fucking swell anymore for people. Like it's, it's, that's the, thr- that, it's a certain endorphin high that you can't get anywhere else where like you discover something new and you can just, you know, there's something tangible where you can reach out and buy it. And you, it's, 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 it's the experience there. It's the memory you have from it. It's just, it's, it's something that I can't describe on so many levels. And you lose that when you're like, Do you have any merch? Go to Pro ST, get that and then send it and you'll get it in six to four weeks. And like, no. Like no, that, that that loses that loses all fucking momentum you have. Like fuck that shit. Just no, no. No. Buy the shirt. Pay for the shirts so people can buy them from you. It's a personal connection that you make with the fans.
0: Not going to hear any disagreement from me. Yeah. Common sense. Right. Yeah. That being said, um, so that wraps up episode 31 of White Heat. Quick announcement, like I mentioned at the start of the show. Um, I'm going to be out of town. All of the first full week of January. So, um, we're gonna pick up with another normal episode of Way Heat the sec during this uh, the second full week of January. So we're looking at what's that January 10th probably. Yeah, That's the Monday. That's when we usually record as a Monday. So probably around January 10th. Expect a new episode. That being said. We'll talk about maybe doing something Saturday for day one. I'm up for it. He's up for it. I'm up for it. So be on the lookout for that over the course of the next few days. That being said, this has been White Heat presented by Godzilla Media, sponsored by our good friends at Mohawk Honda and Johnstone Supply. For JJ Alexander, business professor, I am <laughs> Brian Cady saying goodbye and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, we'll see you soon. Later. Happy New Year.